So as I mentioned before, we're in week three of a series that uh, James created, and um, we're focusing on uh, Keep Searching, Jeremiah 29, verses 5 through 14. Um, it's in your printed update. So when I was little um, and I couldn't find something, I would pray that God would help me find it. I was convinced that God was like somehow masterfully going to help me figure something out and find something that I had lost. Um, and w what's kind of funny about this is I didn't go to church when I was a kid. I was a C&E kid. We went on Christmas and Easter in our best clothes, and that was it. Um, and uh, however, there a little caveat, if, if there was a vacation Bible school near my house, we were there. Um, got dropped off and, you know, we were those kids. Um, and it wasn't until much later in life that I learned that St. Anthony, uh, who is the saint of the, the patron saint of lost items, that who I should have been asking for help, not the big guy, um, but... You know, it all worked out in the end. I figured it out. I, you know, that was my first kind of faith thing, right? Searching. So one of the things that I learned about that process was, is when we're searching, we need a buddy, right? When we're searching, we need a buddy. We need to have somebody who is going to be with us on that journey as we search, and this series that James designed is all about helping us to go deeper in our spiritual lives. So in week one, James talked about keeping awake. How is it that we can find a way to connect and engage with God's world? And in week two, Megan brought us a message about keeping open. How is it that we can be open to God's movement in our lives so that we might grow in our faith. And all of these, by the way, are available via podcast or on our YouTube channel. Right, James? Yeah. Um, I just want to clarify, make sure that I was not telling a lie up here, because that would not be a good way to start. <laughs> so, so my focus is on keep searching. And so what does this look like? So as I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks and praying about how I might um, get to that point of our need to search in our faith life, what I kept coming to, which was not the path that James had suggested, um, was Jeremiah 29, verses 5 through 14. And so that's in your printed update if you want to read it, but otherwise I'm going to read it out loud to you. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel proclaims, don't let the prophets and diviners in your midst mislead you. Don't pay attention to your dreams. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. The Lord proclaims, when Babylon 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. 
I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have scattered you, and I will bring you home after your long exile, declares the Lord. It is God's word for us today. Now, the Israelites, this passage uh, that the prophet Jeremiah, these words that Jeremiah said, came while the Israelites had, they had kind of messed up. That might be putting it mildly. They had focused on all the wrong things in their individual and their communal lives. And this, along with some really poor decision-making by their leaders, led to the best and the brightest of Israel to be carried off to Babylon in exile. They were gone, pulled away from everything they had ever known, and were now living in a foreign land. Now, they had lost everything. They were living in a place they did not know with little choices about their world. They were at the mercy of the Babylonians. And so what do you think that Jeremiah might say to a situation like that, to these people who were struggling? What he says in verses 5 through 7, build houses and settle down, cultivate gardens and eat what they produce, get married and have children, then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in numbers so you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. He tells them to make a life, to make a home, to make a community. Not to be angry, not to run away, not to do any of these things that might be our instinct, but to make a life, to make a home, to be a community together in the midst of this foreign land. Now, I think this is important for us today because as we develop in our spiritual lives, we are called to live. We need to do this in community, just as the Israelites were called to do this in exile. We need to do it with others. Searching in our lives, and I would say finding God happens when we worship, when we pray together, when we spend time with our families and friends, when we spend time with our community. We cannot grow, we cannot learn, we cannot be without the world. Being right in the middle of it, we need to struggle and figure things out. Jeremiah didn't tell them to go hide in a closet and pray away. Jeremiah told them to live. When I was in, after I graduated from college, I was working with the IRS as a tax auditor, which was lots of fun. It was actually, it, it actually was a quite an interesting job. 
um, uh, you know, people anticipate hating you, and then they find out that you're not a terrible person. At least I was not. Um, and so I have lots of people crying in my cubicle, but I learned a lot about empathy and compassion doing that job. And also how there are a lot of people who cheat in the world. That's another story. Um, but in the midst of that experience at the IRS, um, I felt like I wasn't where God wanted me to be. Um, I loved what I could do when I was there because on my off hours I could be engaged in my home church and I could do all sorts of other things. But I felt inside I just wasn't, things just weren't where I was supposed to be. And so um, I applied and got accepted in this program called the US2 program, which is a short-term missionary experience within the US in the United Methodist Church. And got accepted, amazingly. Um, and moved to Houston, Texas. Now, you have to remember, I grew up on a farm northwest of Baltimore. Houston at the time, and actually I think it still is, is the fourth largest city in the United States. And everything is different in Texas. If you've never lived there, trust me, everything is different in Texas. Um, it is like, oh, I don't know, it's a whole different world. Um, everything is much bigger. Um, so... I moved down there and I was working in a human service nonprofit, doing very similar things to what I do now at Lorton Community Action Center. And in my time there, you know, thinking back when I was in my 20s, because I was in my early 20s when I was doing this, and I had grown up on the farm and my home church was, you know, 40 people. And here, there in Houston, the churches are ginormous you know, thousands of people, TVs, cameras, you know, broadcast on the local station and everything. It was just craziness. Um, but the best part about my experience there was, one of the best things was almost daily, I had opportunities to search and figure out who I was, to grow and be with God and to recognize that, ta-da, I don't know everything. Um, and it also forced me to look at the world and life in a different way, through a different set of eyes. All these things that I thought I knew about faith and life and scripture and all this stuff, because um, I had been involved in the United Methodist Church from 12 until I guess I was like 23, 24 at that point, so I w had been, like, every Sunday from the time I was confirmed, I was at church. I was in youth group. I was president of the youth group. I was president of the district youth. I was president of the conference youth. I went to annual conference. You know, that was back when annual conference was cool. Um, and because the bishop would eat ice cream with the youth. They don't do that now. Uh, so all of those things were, were a whole different reality. So... One of the things that I did, crazy and wonderful and um, engaging experiences that I had, was I decided I needed to stretch myself. And so I volunteered on Saturday nights because I had no life. I didn't, want, I didn't know how to date in that environment. That was before smartphones, for those of you guys who, you know, how do you meet people when you're poor um, and have no money or anything else? And so I volunteered on Saturday nights at a mega house, which still is 
a hospice for people living and dying with HIV and AIDS. And so on Saturday nights, I would go and take care of people. Who, at that point, they were all gay men who were living and dying with HIV and AIDS. And I had been there probably nine months when um, I had gotten to know over a period of time this gentleman, his name was Doug. And I walked in and Doug was in a room by himself and it was clear that he was close to the end of life. Um, his breathing was different. Uh, he was in and out of sleep. Um, and the volunteer said that he was close, um, that it could happen that night. And so me being the task-oriented person that I am, for those of you who know me know that's absolutely true, I set aside the task because we're supposed to do laundry and do all these other things to keep the house running. And I just sat with Doug. And I held his hand and I just stayed with him. And after about half an hour, 45 minutes, Doug woke up and he said, do you think he will be there? And I said, yes, I believe he will be there. And he said, do you think he will be in costume? Doug was an actor. And I said, he will be in the most glorious costume to meet you. And he smiled and he closed his eyes. And later that night after I left, he died. That was the last words he said. Now, I tell you that because my experience at Omega House stretched me. It stretched me to not be uncomfortable about death anymore. It stretched me to realize that Doug and many other people like him at the time, this was 88 to 90, right in the middle, in the early parts of the HIV AIDS crisis, Doug died with volunteers surrounding him because his family had rejected him because he was a gay man. Said he was gonna burn in hell. Well, folks, let me tell you. I firmly believe that God met him in costume. That he was there and he carried him and that's the world. Now I say that because my time in Houston and even today, I have to constantly confront my wrong views about the world and who I am and how I fit in the world and who it is that God loves everyone and who it is that God doesn't love. There's not a single person that God doesn't love and how that all fits in to the greater picture of God's amazing world. That oneness that Richard Rohr talked about, that is the reality. That is the reality for our world. Because that's the way God designed it from the very beginning. This desire to have wholeness, oneness for all of us. We as humans have just messed it up along the way. But that is God's desire. So, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 14. I know the plans I have in mind for you declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. 
When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've scattered you, and I will bring you home after your long exile, declares the Lord. You know, I think in my own life, I've had to experience many times exile in my own world. All because of the things that I've said and done. Me, personally, not because God put me there, but because I've chosen to exile myself from God. Chosen to push God away. Chosen not to love or allow God to love me. So, this question, this series, is about how do we deepen our faith? Perhaps it's by helping others. You know, perhaps it's being a part of the West End Food Pantry. Today, they're trucking through West Virginia. Last time I looked, they were in Peter's something, West Virginia. Um, the seven people for ASP. So maybe you grow your faith by helping others. You like that tangible hands-on thing where you can see change happen. Or maybe it's reading great writers like Brene Brown or Father Richard Rohr or Thomas Merton or Julian of Norwich. It's a little more dense, but plug away. A little caffeine will help you. Or maybe you deepen your faith by praying, centering prayer, by reading scripture, by finding some way to connect in that, in that way. Perhaps it's walks or hikes. There are a myriad of labyrinths and med guided meditative walks in Northern Virginia at churches all over Northern Virginia, variety of denominations. It doesn't matter how it is that you find a way to connect in your faith. Just that you keep searching. None of us have arrived at our faith. You know, here at my ripe old age of almost 54, I recognize that I am not at the end of my faith life. I am just barely scratching the surface. And, and this is the important part. Each day, all of us encounter people who are searching just like us. And how we respond to others impact their search for God as well. We can throw open the doors wide for people like Doug because we're present. Or we can close those doors because of our hurtful words or actions. And that is what God wants us to search, to figure out, to, to move beyond and see that oneness, to desire, excuse me, oneness with God and with others. All across the world, as we are worshiping right now, there are men and women and children who are grieving who are in physical pain, who are in emotional pain, who are surrounded by violence in their communities, who are offered little opportunity for better life. People in Yemen and Ethiopia, which have the two largest refugee crises in the entire world right now. People in the Philippines, who are being led by a dictator that is brutal and 
incredibly violent. People in Greece who are struggling still economically. People in Venezuela and the Congo who have also brutal leaders who do not really care about the people. There are people here in Alexandria, in our own neighborhood, who are hurting. People in prisons who feel that they are alone. People in hospitals who today and tomorrow and next week will never have a single person visit them because they are not cared for. Men, women, and children in detention facilities at the border who are living in inhumane conditions. We are told in verse 11, I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. I believe that searching brings us hope. Friends, we have something amazing in God's love to share. And there is not a single one of us here who has not been in exile or will be sometime in our lives. And that searching leads us, hopefully, to hope, to God's gracious love. And that love calls us to move beyond politics and race and ethnicity and to move to love in community. Can we commit together to search for God daily, to grow and to learn in our faith, to learn from God and others in the world? That's what God hopes for us. That's what God wants, is for us to see that we are called to build and to plant in the midst of all of our exiles and know that God's love in and through makes us one. That is God's word for us today, being people of hope in this world that is struggling. And I hope that each of us will find new ways every single day to keep searching, to grow, to figure out how we fit in God's world.